There it is. Well, today's the day. If I have my figures right, I think Mick figured this out. Today marks 10,052 days I've been pastor of Metro Baptist Church. Isn't that a long time. And I think if I figured it up correctly, I've preached over 4,000 messages. 4,000 times. Isn't that amazing? And I know I've done at least 200 funerals. And I'll be honest with you, I need to apologize for every one of you I married. <laughs> I am not the best at doing that. I get nervous at weddings, and I've said your awfully wedded wife instead of your lawfully wedded wife. <laughs> that wasn't good. One time I was talking about the ring, and I dropped that rascal, and it took off down the aisle. <laughs> oh, boy. Worst one was when I looked down and saw that my pants were not zipped. <laughs> I wondered why the bride wasn't the attention that day. <laughs> and anyways, it's been a joy to be your pastor. And uh, I've had a plum job for a long time. There's preachers all over America that wish they could pastor a church like this. You've been kind to us most of the time. <laughs> You've always been generous. You've taken care of our family well. I, uh, I look back on the goodness of God, see all the wonderful things that you've all done for us. I was looking in my backyard this morning as I ate breakfast and I saw a, a barbecuer. And one day you gave that to me for my birthday. And I looked in the back, there were some trees and one year you gave me a bunch of trees and had them planted in my backyard. And I just look everywhere and it's something that this church has done for me. And I'm just so thankful to be your pastor. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not leaving you because I don't like you or love you. I love you very much and I'm very thankful to be your pastor. I just feel like the Lord said it's time. It's time for you to have a younger pastor and somebody that has different ideas, different vision than what I have. And I think Ryan and Heather will do a great job. I really believe that. Amen. And I'm just excited to see what God's going to do in this church. Now, somebody asked me, are you going to be around? And I said, <laughs> I've always been around. Yeah, I'm going to be around. As far as I know, I'm going to teach a Sunday school class every Sunday if the Lord wills. And, and I'm not quitting serving the Lord. I'm just not going to be the pastor anymore. Okay? And I'll be around. And I, you know, as far as I know, I'll do some teaching on Wednesday nights. And whatever Ryan asks me to do, I'll be happy to do. So, yeah, we'll be around. We're not leaving you as far as 
going to go to another church. Uh, we're planning on coming here, and Lord willing, and things will work out great, and we're going to be Ryan's cheerleader, and I hope to be a help and a blessing. And if you ever come to me and talk to me about him and say something derogatory, you're going to have a lion on you. <laughs> By the way, that's what his name means in the Orient. They can't say R, so his name is always Brother Lion. <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know that. I've been over there for a couple of weeks. <laughs> this, is, this is Lion Hill's father-in-law. Father <laughs> Anyways, it's been great. Now, if you got your Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Numbers. I figured I'd just do like I always do and preach an expository sermon before I left. Would that be all right? Amen. That's what I've been doing for years and years. So I figure we'll do it again. For those of you that don't have any idea what an expository sermon is, that means I'm going to preach verse by verse, and we're going to go through a passage. And hopefully when we get done, you'll understand it better than when you got here, okay? I want to talk today about the blessings of peace, the blessing of peace. Now, we're in Numbers chapter number 6, and I want you to look, if you would, at verse number 24. Would you stand as we read God's word this morning? The Bible says it this way. The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Be seated. Let me ask you a question this morning as we start. How many of you this morning would like to be blessed of God? Wouldn't that be great? You know, when you think about it, to have un joy unspeakable and full of glory is something every Christian would want. And the Bible here talks about being blessed. It's a, it's a very interesting concept in the scriptures. I believe that God wants to bless us. I believe that God wants to extend to us his blessings in our life. I read a story this last week about a little boy that was raised as a Catholic, and he went to Catholic school. And one day he went to the nun, and he asked the nun, he said, my, my birthday's coming up, and I'd like a new bicycle. And the nun told him, said, well, if I wanted a new bike, what I'd do is I'd get down on my knees tonight, and I'd pray, and I'd ask the Lord to give me a new bike, and for the next six weeks, I'd be a good boy, and God will give you a new bike for your birthday in six weeks when your birthday comes around. Well, that night, he began to pray. He said, oh, God, he said, I want to be a good boy for six weeks, and if, you'll give, do, do, if I do that, I want you to give me a new bicycle. And then he thought, well, God, he said, I don't know if I can make it for six weeks. How about if we do it for four weeks? And then he thought a little bit longer, and he said, well, maybe two weeks. And finally, he went over to the dresser, and he saw on the dresser a little statue of the Virgin Mary. And he grabbed the Virgin Mary, and he took him over in there and put it in his hand. He said, listen, God, he said, I got your mom. If you ever want to see her again, you better give me a bicycle for my birthday. <laughs> now, that was a joke, and if I offended you, I apologize. But I thought that was pretty clever. I'd like to be blessed of God. You know, when you talk about the word blessing, uh, 
The word blessing is an interesting word. It Sometimes we're, when we think of the word blessing, we, we're reminded of the power of God or a demonstration of God's power on our benefit. The word blessing in Hebrew comes from a verb that means to fall down upon one's knees. For example, the Bible says in Psalm 95 verse 6, it says, Oh, come, let us kneel down before the Lord, our maker. That word bless or blessed or blessing occurs 500 times in your scriptures. It's a very common word in the Bible. And Warren Wiersbe says, a blessing is any act of God that brings him glory by accomplishing his will and helping his people grow to do whatever his will is for their life. I think that's a pretty good definition. Throughout the Bible, there are statements of blessings. Uh, for example, most people use this passage I read a moment ago as a benedic benediction. Sometimes you go to a service and the last thing the pastor says, he'll quote Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 27. Now, this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at this blessing and I'd like to spend a little time talking to you about how to be blessed of God and what this congregation and these dear people of Metro Baptist Church need, and that's to be blessed of God. First of all, let's talk about the resource of this blessing. We're in Numbers chapter 6. Let's look at verse number 1 for a moment. Let's get a little bit of context. Go back and look at the first verse, and the Bible says it this way. It says in verse number 1, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying... Now, as you look at this passage... God's going to talk to Moses about the Nazarite vow. It's a mark of purity. It's a mark of consecration. Let me, let me help you out. When we talk about receiving the Nazarite vow, there were several very important people in the Bible that had the Nazarite vow. Samson took the Nazarite vow. By the way, a lifetime Nazarite vow. There were others in the scripture. I think John the Baptist had that vow. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts takes that vow. If you were to go to the tabernacle or if you were to go to the temple, when the temple was built, first thing you'd do is when you walked in and you got into the court of men, there were seven courts. If you got into the court of men, right there was a priestly office and it was where the Nazarite vow was given and taken. What normally happened was when a person took a Nazarite vow, they would shave their head. And... Basically, they would be a crew cut. I mean, that's kind of a popular haircut nowadays, but they'd shave their head and they would hold on to that hair because later on that hair would be an offering that they would offer to the priest. And during that time where they were taking this vow of consecration, there were several things that were important. Number one, you didn't have anything to do with wine. There was no wine to be drank. There was no, no alcohol. There was, there was, in fact, you couldn't eat grapes or raisins. Anything that came from the vineyard was off limits. So you couldn't, take, uh, you, you couldn't have any kind of grapes or anything that came from the vineyard. You also couldn't do what? You couldn't cut your hair. So for the whole time you was a Nazarite, some people would take a Nazarite vow for a month, three months, six months, a lifetime, Samson had hair that was braided all over his head. He had seven locks of hair that he 
maybe they were dreadlocks. I don't know what they were. But anyways, he had these big locks of hair that he never got a haircut, never had his head shaved. You couldn't get a haircut. You couldn't have alcohol. By the way, you couldn't touch a dead corpse. Now, if you inadvertently touched a dead corpse, you could go to the priest and they'd do some kind of fancy sacrifice. And uh, basically, it was just a time that you were consecrating yourself to the Lord. Instead of worrying about drinking or worrying about getting a haircut or worrying about mourning over a dead body, you were totally tuned into the Lord. You were consecrated unto the Lord. By the way, I don't think that in America that being consecrated to the Lord would be a bad thing for a Christian. Now, I'm glad that I can get a haircut. I really don't need much of one anymore. I think after you get, a, after you get so much hair gone, they ought to give you a break on the, on the haircut. But, you know, bottom line is when I go get one, they still charge me full price. But, you know, they're, they're being consecrated, Les Paul, how many of you don't know that name, Les Paul? He was the guy that came up with a fancy guitar that the rock and rollers used. How many know what I'm talking about? Did you know he was in a horrible, horrible accident one time, a car accident, and broke his arm so severely that they told him that he couldn't ever play the guitar again? And you know what Les Paul said? He said, when you fix my arm, he said, I want you to kind of do it at a 90 degree angle. I'll never be able to move it, but he said, I'll still be able to hold a guitar. Wouldn't it be really interesting as Christians if we love the Lord so much that we'd be so consecrated that we would want to live for the Lord that badly as Les Paul wanted to play a guitar? Amen. Come on, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Amen. Yeah. I think most Christians uh, wouldn't take the vow of a Nazarite. Now, let me say this. I don't want to get, get you discouraged here. I'm not talking about being a Nazarene. Goodlessville Nazarene's a great church, and I'm glad that they're here. But that's not the same thing, okay? A Nazarite is not a Nazarene. Christians were called Nazarene because Jesus was from Nazareth. But that's something completely different. So don't mistake these two things. So for the first few verses, he deals with this whole issue of being a Nazarite, taking a Nazarite vow. And notice it starts off, and the Lord said. Now, drop down in your scriptures and notice what he says. And when he gets done talking about being a Nazarite, if you get down to about verse number 21, 22, look at 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is the resource of this blessing. And what I want you to recognize that all blessings come from the Lord. You know, I've been blessed immensely by being your pastor, but let me be real honest with you. My blessings isn't from anybody other than the Lord. You recognize that? All blessings come from the Lord. You remember what that verse says in James chapter 1? Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh down from above. All blessings come from God. So the Bible says our resource for our blessing is that our blessings come from God. And so he gets these priests together when he's done talking about this Nazarite vow. And notice what he says in verse 22. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, unto his sons, On this wise shall you bless the children of Israel, saying unto them. 
So he says our resource is him, but he gives these priests a command. Now let me help you with something in the Bible. Let me try to teach you something. A prophet is, in the Old Testament, was somebody that represented God to the people. Prophets came down and said, thus saith the Lord. That's the way prophets were. And when Elijah and Elisha and some of those prophets said something, you better listen to what they said. Amen. Yes or no? Amen. Remember some of those things? They could call down fire from heaven and make you a crispy critter. <laughs> How many remember that? Yeah, there were several occasions when they... Now, priests were different than prophets. Priests weren't people that represented God to the people. They represented the people to God. The priests were the ones that did sacrifices. When people sinned, they had to go to the priest. When people had different problems and they had, maybe they had leprosy, they had all these different things in the Old Testament, they had to go present themselves to the priest. Now, I am not a priest. When I was in California, I had a Catholic man say one time, it took me about six months to kept having, quit calling me Father Phil. <laughs> I told him I'm not a father, my wife and I don't have any kids yet. <laughs> But he called me Father Phil. He thought I was a priest. Now, I am not a priest in the sense of the Old Testament. I'm a pastor. That's different. That's a, that's a different office in the scriptures. But he says, I want you to get the priests together, and I want, you to, I want you to tell them to bless the people. So the Bible says, the Lord spake unto Moses. And he says, what I want you to do is, I want you to say unto these children, he says, the Lord bless thee. So he gives them, and this is the fancy name, this is the educated word here, this is the Aaronic blessing in the Old Testament. This Aaron was Moses' brother, he was the high priest of Israel, and all the priests worked for Aaron, and Aaron basically is given this blessing by God through Moses, and he basically says, this is a blessing that you ought to get. Now, listen to me. In the, if you went to the morning sacrifices and you went to the evening sacrifices in the tabernacle and in the temple, Numbers chapter 6, these verses were spoken by the priest every time you went in the morning and in the evening. They read Numbers chapter 6, verses 24, 25, 26, and 27. They always said this to the children of Israel. Why? Because God said to the Lord spake unto Moses, he said, you tell Aaron to tell the priests that they need to bless the people. Now, I want you to notice some things, and we're going to look at this passage kind of a little bit. I'm going to break it down here in a second for you and try to look at it a little more pedantically. That's a big word, huh? means we're going to, you know, really dig into it. Uh, the, the rabbis in the Old Testament, the Mishra, the Mishra is the interpretations of the Jewish rabbis of the Bible in the Old Testament. They basically said that this was a, a blessing that was given twice a day by the priest. And, and when, they, when they gave this blessing, it was very important how you gave this blessing because they said blessings come from God. For example, you open your Bible up and you go to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter one, God tells Adam and Eve in the garden, go forth and multiply. How many remember that in the Bible? Go forth and multiply. And the Bible says he blessed them. God blessed them. All blessings come from God. Amen. 
You go a little bit further, you come to a guy named Abraham. Abraham is Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Really interesting deal. It's just, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will bless and I will curse them that curse thee, and the whole world will be blessed through you. You say, Pastor, how was the whole world blessed through Abraham? Because Jesus Christ was a Jew. And his great, 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 great granddad was a guy named Abraham. You got that? So God blesses Abraham. God blesses Adam and Eve. Oh, I, I left one out. Genesis chapter 9, verse number 1. God gets Noah off of the boat, and God blesses Noah and Mrs. Noah. God blesses them. So the, the, the Jewish rabbi said, if you want to be blessed, you got to be blessed by God, because God is the resource of all blessings. All blessings flow from God. When I was a kid growing up, this isn't as popular as what it used to be. We used to sing the doxology. How many know what the doxology is? We used to sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. I'd keep singing for you, but I know you couldn't stand it, so we'll leave, leave it right there. Now, we used to sing that every Sunday, and there's nothing wrong with singing it every Sunday. We sing the doxology. The second verse nobody ever sings. You know what the second verse starts off? It says, and the source is God, and the source is Jesus, and the source is the Holy Spirit. Why? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the three are one. It's the Trinity. Blessings come from God. Amen. All figures, all of the different ones of the Godhead, the three and one, the Trinity. So the resource of our blessings come from God. Well, let me give you a second thing. What about the record of the blessing? Now, I quoted you a verse a few minutes ago, James chapter one, verse 17. It says, every good gift Every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. You know, when you start thinking about God being our resource of blessing, here he begins to talk about the record of blessing. It's interesting, when you look at this record of Numbers chapter 6, in the Hebrew, the original language of the Old Testament, there's only 15 words. All these verses are constructed in the original language in only 15 words. There's three lines of blessings here. Verse 24 is the first blessing, and it's just three words in the Hebrew. The second line blessing is in verse 25, and then it's just five Hebrew words. The third line of the blessings found in 26, and there are seven words. You say, Pastor, uh, what is that? What do you think is going on there? I think God's building a crescendo. You know what a crescendo is? Three words, five words. He's building and building and building up until you get to the end of this thing. And man, by the time you get to the end of the blessing, I mean, it's almost like the veins on his neck are sticking out. He's yelling this thing. This is a big deal. Sometimes I found it interesting when I was looking at this passage that the first line's got 12 syllables, the second line's got 14 syllables, and the third line's got 16 syllables. You say, Pastor, what is this passage saying? God wants to bless us. Amen. By the way, I hope you want to be blessed. Amen. 
God wants to bless us because every good gift comes from God. Now, if you look carefully at the passage, this record of this blessing, notice that the, the, the Lord's name is repeated. There's the threefold use of the name of the Lord. And I think what's going on here is that God's basically saying the Trinity, God the Father is God, God the Son is God, God the Holy Spirit is God. And that blessing comes from all three of these. So he repeats his name again and again. But notice, notice, notice something interesting. I want you to catch this. The Bible says, the Lord spake, verse 22, and then verse 23 says, speak unto Aaron, speak unto his son, saying, look as you go, as on this wise you will bless the children of Israel, saying unto them. Now that word saying is an interesting word. Uh, in the Hebrew, now I know you don't read Hebrew and I don't really read it very well either, but the word there is the word amar, A-M-A-R. But it's got a funny little weird crooked sign above the A. And the idea of that word basically, if you kind of do the study of the word, basically says when you bless them, this is talking about the kind of spirit that you have when you say it. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said anything you really didn't mean? I'll give you an example. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes, yes, yeah, sweetie, I'm sorry. And if you'll shut up, I'll really be sorry. If you'll drop it, if you'll just be quiet. Now, you don't say that, but that's going through your mind. You, you say, I'm sorry. She says, no, you're not. Now, don't look at me like that. You're Baptist. I know you have squabbles. For years, my wife and I would ride in different cars to church. You want to know why? It wasn't because I didn't bathe. I always take a bath on Saturday night. That's when all Baptists take baths, right? No, we'd get in an argument on the way to church, and then I'd feel like preaching on hell. I found out it worked better on my sermon if I didn't ride with her. <laughs> and we kind of got past that. We ride together now. But have you ever said something you didn't mean? I'm sorry. Or forgive me. I think we say things many times that we don't really mean. But we just say it. Did you know the word amar here is the idea of how you say it? It's the idea of saying it, and you couldn't say it half-heartedly. So when you said this blessing and when you blessed the people, they basically said, the, the priest had rules that said, if you gave the blessing, if you're the one giving the blessing, if, if you were grieving, if somebody died in your family, and you couldn't get up there and say it wholeheartedly, get a different priest to say it that day. Because he says, I want you to say this with the umph. I want you to say this with meaning. I want you to say this and really mean it. Don't say it half-heartedly. And so he's talking here about the record. We've talked a little bit about the record. Let's move on to the last point. What about the reality? Let's look at, let's look at it. Let's kind of run down through this. Let's see what this blessing is saying. 
Notice in verse number 24 and following, he's going to tell us that this blessing is very protective. Look at verse 24. He says it this way. He says in verse 24, the Lord bless thee. Now, let me, we'll do a little English. The subject there is the Lord. Come on, do you remember English? Do you remember when you diagram sentences? Boy, I've tried to forget that. I hated that. The Lord is the subject. What's the verb? Bless. Now, if you look down through the blessing, it's always going to kind of work that way. The subject is always the Lord and then the bless. And as you read down through, you're going to read how that each one kind of modifies what God's going to do in your life. And so the first thing he says, the Lord bless thee and the Lord keep thee. The, the idea is that God's going to keep us. The, the, the verb explains what God's going to do in our life. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Hey, folks, I've been in the Orient. I rented a car, drove on the wrong side of the road, and drove on the wrong side of the car with a bunch of crazy people for the last month. There were several times when I prayed, Lord, keep me. You ever pray for the protection of the Lord? Do we live in a crazy world, yes or no? Yes, we do. So the first part of this verse is talking about how God's blessing is protective. But notice he goes a step further. He goes on and he says the Lord's blessing is practical. Let's look and see what it says. It says, the Lord keep thee, and notice, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Now, when you start talking about his face shining upon you, there's only one place in the Bible I can find anything that even resembles that. You want to know where it's at? It's in the book of Exodus. Exodus 32, 33, 34, 35, in that neck of the woods, Moses goes up on top of the mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments. How many remember the story? And he's up there and there's lightning and there's thundering and there's smoke. And by the way, he's up there for 40 days. He's gone for over a month. Some of you say, Pastor, you've been gone forever. I wasn't gone 40 days, only 32. <laughs> and Moses comes down with ten, 10 Commandments. He has two tablets. How many remember the story? And as they start down the mountain, oh, Joshua's kind of there with him. And Joshua says, man, it sounds like in the camp there's the sound of war. And as they get closer, he notices the children of Israel have got a golden calf. And they're dancing naked. And to be really honest, and I'm not trying to be nasty, they've got a big orgy going on. Moses gets mad and angry. Remember this? He takes his Ten Commandments and he throws them down on the ground. You remember that? And he goes down there and he talks to his brother Aaron. He says, what in the Sam Hill? Now, that's not exactly the way it says it, but that's. <laughs> he said, what in the Sam Hill's going on? He says, well, you know, we, we took our earrings off. We threw them in his pot. Now come this golden calf. And you know the way the people were. They started That's as far as we're going. <laughs> and he said they lost their mind. They started, and Moses takes that thing and he grinds it up and he puts it in water and he says, drink it. 
And he makes them drink it. And the Bible says that Moses looked at the two folks and he said, who's on the Lord's side? And the sons of Levi. The Levites were the priests. The sons of Levi said, we're on the Lord's side. And the Bible says they took their swords out and they slew the ones that were participating in that orgy and they killed 3,000 of them. Moses moves the tabernacle on the outside of the camp. and Man, God is ticked. You understand what ticked means? He's upset. He's mad. He's angry. The Bible says his wrath was boiling in him. And so finally God says, all right, go back up to the top of the mountain. And God gets him on the top of the mountain. And God says, all right, I gave you the ones the first time. This time you got to get them. And Moses gets out a hammer and a chisel, and he chisels out the Ten Commandments on two more tablets. And basically, God and him have a big talk, and God says, I am sick to death of these children of Israel. And he says, they're stiff-necked. And he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, you're going on, let me back up. He said, what I'm going to do is, he said, I'm going to kill them all and I'm going to start over with you. We're going to make a great nation from you, Moses. And Moses has a talk with him. And the only unfinished sentence in the Bible, Moses basically says, God, don't do that. If you do that, then just blot my name out of the book. Remember the story? If you read the story, God wouldn't be a wouldn't wouldn't be appeased. God says, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll let him go, but I won't go with you. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send an angel with you. Not the angel of the Lord. I'll send an angel with you. And Moses says, Lord, we don't want to go without you. If you don't want to go, we don't want to go. So Lord, we've got to have your presence. And God finally relents, and God finally says, okay, I'll go with you. And when Moses comes down, listen to this. When Moses comes down, he has a whole new set of tablets that he's made, but the Bible says now his face shines. He'd been in the presence of God for 40 days the first time, and he'd been in the presence of God 40 days the second time, and when he came down from the top of the mountain, his face was shining. Now you say, Pastor, What's the big deal with his face shining? It basically means, let's look at the verse. Look at the verse. Let's read it again. Look what it says. It says, the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto you. His first time, his face didn't shine. Second time, his face did shine. And Moses had to put a veil over his face because they said, man, you're killing us. The glory of God's shining on your face so much, we can't stand to look at you. And so he put a veil over his face. You say, Pastor, why does his face shine the second time? It was God's visible demonstration that he had forgiven them, that he had been gracious unto them. Are you listening? I got some grandkids that I love. Show, show them. This is my last time to get to do this, so I'm going for it. <laughs> That's my oldest one. Give me the next one. I got nine of them. I got 
had nine of them. The other day we was watching some of them. One of the boys was being mean to his sister and she was complaining. And I, I got on him. I said, listen, Papa says, cool it. You need to cool it. And he kept up. And I said, son, I won't beat your butt, but I will take your butt home. <laughs> and I said, you're this close to getting your butt home. I pulled the car over and I told my wife, I said, you get in the back, you put that boy in the front. And he sat right there. We got to the driveway of the car. I picked his face up. I said, I want you to look at me. I lifted his countenance. I said, your papa loves you, but you got to do what papa says. You know, every once in a while, I've done some really dumb things and some of you have been gracious to me and you've forgiven me. Thank you. But there's been a few times with God I walked around. And the Lord said, let me lift your countenance back up. Let me bless you. Here it is, and I hope you've got this. This is my last time to talk about grace. I want to be gracious to you. Amen. You see, the Lord's blessing is protective. The Lord's blessing is practical. The Lord's blessing is pleasurable. You know, I don't know about you, but there's been some times in my life where I didn't feel like I'd ever make it spiritually. And I felt like such a failure spiritually. Lord, I'm just worthless. And the Lord says, no, you're not. And it's almost like the Lord picks me up in his hands and he lifts my face up to his. And he bestows his pleasure on me. He says, I want to lift your countenance up so that you recognize you're forgiven. You ever need to be forgiven in your Christian experience? You see, the Bible says he lifts our countenance up. Well, the last thing is this, and let me show it to you. I'm doing good on my time. The Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee what? Peace. You know that word peace, you know that word, shalom. Now, the word shalom doesn't mean the cessation of hostilities. Every once in a while, Bev and I will have a a misunderstanding. <laughs> Let me help you with that. That means she ain't seeing my point. That's exactly what that means. <laughs> and and, and, and it, it, we make up. 
And I finally, I'll tell her, I'm sorry, I acted like a, a boorish hog. <laughs> like the rude dude, the rude crude dude that I can be sometimes. <laughs> and, and there's a cessation of hostilities. <laughs> That's not the word. You know what the word is? The word is wholeness. It's the idea of God giving you whatever you need at that particular time in your life. Shalom doesn't mean that God isn't against me anymore. Shalom means that God's for me and God gives me exactly what I need right then in my life. You know, the great apostle Paul talked about this. The apostle Paul talked in the book of Philippians. He said, not that I speak. From want, he said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances that I am in. He says, I know how to, to, to be with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. He says, in any circumstance, he said, I've learned the secret of being filled and being hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ. That strengthens me. You know, it's wonderful when God gives you shalom in your life and whatever you need at that moment, God's right there exactly with what you need. He gives you contentment. You see, the Bible here says that God wants to give us peace. By the way, do you need that in your life? You ever need the peace of God that passes all understanding? To keep your heart Well, the Lord's blessing, this is it. Here's verse 27. They shall put my name upon them as the children of Israel. Did you know the Bible says, listen to this just for a second. I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm there, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but he goes on to say, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Did you know God put his name on me? You say, Pastor, are you worried about losing your salvation? No. Are you worried about somehow you're going to get close to the end and then blow it? No. Because I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, when I got saved, he moved within me, he lives within me now, and that's the evidence that I'm his and he's mine. He's put his name on me. It's no longer fill the sinner. Listen to this. I know this is going to kill some of you. It's fill the saint. I'm sealed. Man, I'm good to go. He put his name on me. I'll show you one, I'll show you one little bitty word. One little bitty word. Let me show it to you real quick. Go back in your verse. Look at verse 24. I didn't explain this word. And this is the way I'm going to end my sermon. You ready? The Lord bless thee and the Lord, what? Keep thee. That word keep there, it's a wonderful word. It's a military word. And it goes, it goes kind of back It goes back to when Israel was made up of shepherds. You remember David was a shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. You remember that Psalm 23? How many remember that? A shepherd had a crook and he had a club. Thy rod and thy staff. Remember him talking about that? The rod was a, a leaded piece of wood and they'd use it like this and a wild animal would come. Man, it hit him in the head and knock him out. David, remember David said he killed a bear and a lion? How did he do that? He did that with that rod. And that crook, that stick that had that, that was for when sheep would get away. And sheep would get away and, and, and sometimes they get caught in unruly areas and they would stick that thing down there, grab that sheep by the neck and pull it up. And that's the word keep. That's the word keep. The Lord keep thee. Little boy was a shepherd, and the story goes back. Here's that story I was telling you about right over here, Miss Statler. He got real sick, and his mom was worried about him dying. And the nobleman that owned the land where that boy was the shepherd of his sheep loved that boy. And he went in there, and he began to talk to him about Christ because he was worried that little boy might possibly die. And he talked to the little boy about how to be a Christian, and he basically got all the way through that thing, and he said, let me make it really simple for you. He said, look at your knuckles on your fingers. He said, There's a, I want you to be able to say it like David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, here's the first one, the Lord, I got to do my thumb, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, if you can pray and ask the Lord to save you, the Lord will be your shepherd. About a year went by. The nobleman had been gone. He came back, and he went to that same house, and he knocked on the door, and he asked how that little Scottish boy was, and she said he died. He got really sick after you left, and he died. He said it was the strangest thing when he died. He said that little boy, when we found him, he was holding on to that fourth ring finger on that knuckle. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, by the way, one of the great things about being God's child is that he keeps me. Amen. He's my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Can you turn to Luke 24? I got to show you this verse before I leave. I love looking at stuff like this in the Bible. This is the kind of stuff that really turns my crank. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24, Jesus is about ready to go back to heaven. And when you read this story, this is a great story. Luke chapter 24. Are you, look, are you looking there? I want to show you this. It says, verse 49, you got it? It says, and behold, I send the promise of the Father. By the way, that's the Holy Spirit. Upon you, you tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with the power from on high. And he led them to Bethany. By the way, Bethany is that little town that's on the other side of the Mount of Olives. That's where 
Lazarus, Mary, and Martha lived. Okay, I've been there. I've been, actually, I went down in the tomb right there. He led them to Bethany, and he, he takes them, and he lifts up his hands, and he blesses them. By the way, when the priests would give this blessing in Numbers chapter 24, Ryan, you need to come to the front, if you will, as I'm speaking. Numbers chapter 6, let me show it to you. When the priests would say this blessing, they would lift their hands over the congregation, just like this. And here's what they would say. The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give you peace. You say, Pastor, what do you think the last thing Jesus said to his disciples as he was being lifted off of the Mount of Olives? The Lord bless thee. The Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. Amen. Congregation, thank you. Thank you. And may the Lord bless thee.